This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. With pedals like the Snow Day Delay, the Pep Rally Fuzz, the Trash Panda, and my personal favorite, the Science Fair, which is two classic dirt pedals in one with a mid-boosted overdrive on one side, a black lab rat circuit on the other, and a blend knob to blend between them to find the perfect classic stacked dirt sound you're looking for, it's hard not to find something you'll love. Mark builds all of his pedals by hand in Syracuse, New York, where he also works as a full-time educator. In addition to the super fun graphics on their pedals, Mark also offers custom artwork. Want your dog's face on a pedal? He can do it. Want your face on a pedal? He can make that happen too. Go over to summerschoolelectronics.com and make sure to tell them that 40 Watt Podcast sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 40 Watt Podcast. My name is Philip. I appreciate you joining us today, this morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever it is you're listening from, uh, whatever device you're listening on. Uh, Let's take care of our housekeeping here at the top of the show. Um, Please take a moment, go over to 40wattpodcast.com, check out the website. That's where you can find all of the show notes that are actually in the episodes that you listen to slash watch. Um, they're not long, they're not extensive, I'm not writing dissertations over there, but you're going to find all the links for the guests, the links for things we talk about sometimes, if I remember to put them in there. Um, just general information about the episode, but also over there, you can find links to our merchandise store, where you can buy t-shirts and other things. It's been a while since I've looked at it, so I don't even remember what's over there anymore. You will know, um... Also, you can check out our link tree. There's a there's a link on the website for links, or you can go directly to our link tree at linktr.ee slash 40 watt podcast. Uh, there you can find links for our Discord server, uh, Facebook page, Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube, all the social medias. I haven't got a link to TikTok, but I'm over there too if you want to find me. Um, you know, got to do everything. Make sure you go, if you're really into the show, if you really like what you're hearing, go follow, subscribe, thumbs up, like, yeah, all the social media things. And if you really like the show and you really want to support the show, there's two ways you can do it. One of them is completely free. Share the show with a friend of yours that you think might be into it. You got a friend who's into guitar, into music, likes this kind of thing, share the show with them. That's a way you can help me grow the show and it costs you absolutely nothing. Now, if you've got some money burning holes in your pockets, you can go, <laughs> you can go over to patreon.com uh, slash 40 watt podcast, where for as little as $3 a month, you can help support the show and make this show happen. Uh, podcasting isn't free, it turns out. There are some things that I have to pay for to make this happen. Uh, and so you help me keep those costs way down. Um, for $5 a month, you get extra content if you're really into the show um some some weeks that's extra content with whoever my guest is some weeks that is some other things that are going on that's wild you also get a a patreon exclusive channel in our discord server where you can say whatever whatever you want to say that you don't want other regular listeners of the show to talk about i don't know why you would want to do that but maybe if you do you can do it um or for 
you know, you can go on up from there. There's a bunch of levels over there. At the highest tier I have, you and I will schedule, we'll sit down monthly, and we'll do lessons. We'll do guitar lessons, oh. bass lessons, keyboard lessons. Uh, I'll teach you music theory if you want to. I do have a music degree. I, I know a few things. I know I don't That's sound cool. like it sometimes, but I do know a couple of things. We can talk. And, uh, yeah, and you help make the show possible. And remember, as always... 25% of my proceeds at the end of the year do uh, get donated to charity. This year's charity is St. Jude Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, um, where that's some, I'm, I'm not going to go down the crazy, like, not going to try to get you in the feels. But those are some kids going through some pretty rough times, and St. Yeah. Jude is an incredible charity to donate to. So even if you don't do it through giving to my Patreon, please consider donating to St. Jude Children's Hospital in general. All right. <laughs> so... Now that I've gotten through all of that, I want to welcome this week's guest. We're on episode 35, y'all. Uh, yeah. You know, look at it. Made it 35. Got <laughs> Linda Taylor on the show. I'm super pumped about this. So I discovered, uh, I discovered Linda on social media. I've, I've, right. known about, I've known about you for a while, Linda. But I discovered you on social media because I joined the Divided by 13 Facebook group. <laughs> and you had commented on on a picture I posted on there when I got my AMW thirty nine and yes. got the cab for it. What a killer awesome. amp! And so okay, our, the purple one up there is mine. Oh, yeah, mine's you, mine's standard, boring, black and white. <laughs> oh no, the one above that you can't see it because of where the camera is is the BTR, which is black and white. They're so cool looking. They they're so classy. <laughs> they're know. so classy looking. So you commented on that thread, and I was like, wait, Linda Taylor. I know that name. Guitar, Linda Taylor. Okay. So for those of you that haven't put two and two together, there's going to be a ton of you that are going to know Linda as the guitarist from Whose Line Is It Anyway? That's right. Spent several seasons over there. um, Some hilarious times. Um, But I I don't want to sell that as the only thing people should know you for, because your your credit list as a musician is extensively long, and not just as a guitarist, but as a singer. Um, you've done some production work as well, and so I want to give a chance. We're going to back up. We're going to go way, way back. Okay. Well, let's go. Let's go back in time. How did you get into guitar? Um, I started playing when I was three, and um, that's a record, by the way. That is the youngest anyone on this show has yeah. said. <laughs> So I think what happened is uh, there were a lot of variety shows on in those days. So it was like Glenn Campbell and Hee Haw and Don't Laugh. Roy Clark is a bad man. Oh, he's mm. bad. He's a bad dude. Yeah. So, and this was just sort of, you know, what the nightly entertainment was. So it was very easy to just see, you know, guys up there with guitars. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started when I was three. That's pretty incredible. So, not to sidetrack us completely, but I've, I'm having. Uh, have you listened to uh, Tyler Manco's podcast, Cocaine and Rhinestones, yet? No, I so haven't find that. Tyler is is the son of David Allen Co. Okay, um, and he is doing. He's in his second season right now, and he's doing a podcast where he is chronicling the history of country music. Really? He's deep diving. I mean, he is really deep diving. And they're long episodes, and it's entirely worth it. And the number of times that Hee Haw keeps coming up, and it's like, okay, it was goofy. Yes, there was a a reason it hit the air, though, because of the popularity of some of that. And the number of just 
badass guitarist that oh, ended yeah. up on that show yeah. that came through there. That's like, you, you can laugh at the show and it is hokey. Yes, it's very hokey, but you can't laugh at the musicianship that came out of no. there. No, brilliant. Flat picker, bluegrass, Roy Clark. Are you kidding me? You know, he's always doing it with a smile. He's always making a joke about it. <laughs> right. You know? it, that, and and like, I think oh. that's why people don't take him seriously. Yeah. It's because, yeah. you know, he played, he was a, almost a caricature. Yeah. But meanwhile, he was an incredible guitarist. <laughs> Badass. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you got into, you, you see the variety shows, you get to see lots of guitar yeah. players uh, on TV. Uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, my family isn't musical at all, so there was no records, there was no stereos playing. So, but the TV was on. Hey, so, <laughs> so that's where a lot of it came through. And then you know, flash forward a couple, a couple years from there, remember there was like uh, uh, the cartoons, the Jackson Five cartoon. Oh yeah, I, oh my right? gosh, I completely forgotten there was a Jackson Five cartoon. That's right. So you know, even if your parents wouldn't buy your records, you had the Jackson Five cartoon. Oh, that is wild. And so, yeah. so you're seeing all these guitar players now, and so you you say your family's not musical. Right. How did how did they initially recognize that? Oh, she's she's really you know identifying with this music making. We need to get her a guitar. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported in part by String Joy Strings. I'm a snob. At least that's what people tell me. I'm never okay with good enough. And that's where String Joy Strings come in. They're better than good enough. They're the best. String Joy are making some of the finest strings available today right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee. They offer custom sets, balance tension, coded strings, the works. If you need it, they can probably make it happen. You should be using Stringjoy Strings, and if you're going to order from them, you really could help this podcast out by clicking the affiliate link down in the description or show notes below. You get amazing strings, I get a little bit of that back to help the show keep going. It's a win-win situation. Get your Stringjoy Strings today. I'm sure I just nagged him to death, um, and being not musical, um, they bought me a toy guitar, which I still have, and it was it you could tune it, and they found me um, a teacher who actually didn't play guitar, but she knew how to uh, she could teach how to read music. So from the beginning, I was reading music, um, and that's how I sort of learned guitar. You know, and it was those Mel Bay exercises, E oh, sure. E E E F, and you have to count aloud while you're playing. And um, so they were just, if, if you want to learn how to do something, you get a teacher. So I started with teachers. I started with reading. Yeah, it's, it's a little unusual. And, you know, jumping way forward, it's something that I've, I've regretted on occasion because I always felt like my ear training would have been far more advanced if I didn't know how to read. You know, I know a lot of guys, they worry, oh, you know, I, I'm not going to read because that'll take me. That will make me not musical. It's not that at all. But you know, as a kid, when I'm supposed to be kicking around bands and learning things off the radio, I'd go by the sheet music. Yeah. And I didn't have a mentor, and I didn't have someone. No man, you got to sit down and you've got to learn this, and you just listen and figure it out. So with, without that kind of guidance, you know, I like to think I've made up for it. But you know, <laughs> well, there's something to be said for just keep doing it. You know, uh, that yeah. is. That's a real thing. It's interesting that you mentioned that because it's like it's a, you said it's a it's a different approach, and it that's weird. Like guitar players are a weird, like 
it's guitar players and other instruments that I'm going to call, and this is going to make a ton of electric guitar players mad, folk <laughs> instruments. They really are. It's how it started. It was a folky instrument. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't the highbrow of, you know, playing piano. Piano exactly. players, by and large, learn lessons, read music. You know, they right. start that way. Guitar players don't. They learn by... Uh, family members teaching them a few chords or, you know, some kid at school who had a guitar started showing them a few things. I learned because a neighbor down the street, um, I was always into electronics. I was always into that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. they needed someone to run sound for them. And so I learned how to put together a sound system, how to run a sound system. And for them, and sort of just hanging out with them, I started to pick up guitar. And so I didn't really learn guitar seriously until I was 18 I was I was a senior in high school and it's it's weird and it shouldn't be weird that we you know guitar players should learn to read music and this gets people mad at me when I say this that and it's a terrible instrument to sight read on there's four middle c's yeah it's the worst it's (laughs) the worst there's it's the nothing, worst. Nothing fun about reading on guitar. And for me, it always, it turns out to be sort of like going to the gym. Like if I'm doing it, it's fine and I'm quick. And then like right now, I can't, I probably read, I don't know, a month ago something in earnest. And now it's like, ah, uh, I gotta go back to the gym. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, if I had to read right now, it would be a bad, bad day. It'd be a very bad day. It's been, it's been a minute. But so I agree, though, that the whole I have a weird thing and, and learning by ear all, you know, all my friends, they play by ear like some of them are incredible by ear. My sister is yeah. the most incredible ear musician I've ever met. She can hear nice. something one time and two days later she'll pick up a guitar and be like, oh, you remember that song we were listening to? And like, play oh, it. wow, like, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> um, but I have a weird thing that I'd have discovered when I started trying to learn things by ear and I don't know if this is a disorder I don't know if it's just the way my brain processes things I process things in harmony and Mm. so and it's something I've had to learn to compensate for I'll be hearing a tune and or maybe it's my brain thinks modally I don't know um but say that say the song is in a I'm gonna hear it in e oh I that happens to me a lot yeah. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not static. It comes and goes. I can wake up one day and it's like, I'm absolutely sure that's a C and it's absolutely an F. <laughs> yeah. And it's always and, in that fourth or fifth yeah. rate relationship. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure there's something mathematical about that. I haven't really read up on it. You know, as so long as they both still work, I don't care what I'm hearing. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I've had that same experience. Yeah. And I'm, I'll be sitting there playing, playing along and I'm like, that, that's wrong adjust you know it's either a, a a fourth or a fifth up from where you yeah. are or a fourth or a fifth down it's like make that adjustment figure it out that's so interesting i thought i was the only one but that you know it makes sense it's probably something mathematical the way we hear the frequencies and just that particular day you just hear it like what 120 away i don't even know my frequencies that's not half away but you know what i'm saying yeah and that's i'm not gonna so pretend to do the math no 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 math <laughs> I, I I became a musician, so I can stop at four. So I, I count to four. Right. That's it. And for all of you out there that are screaming, what about six, eight? One and a, two and a. That's there you go. two. So, but, so, 
so you you learned guitar, you started to learn to read. Yeah. When did you really take it seriously and like this is something you really wanted to do for a living? Um, kind of always did. I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you're not thinking about making a living at anything, but I can't remember not being serious about it. Um, it, you know, even as a kid, you know, you come home from the softball games and I'd run up to the room to grab the guitar and just, just start work. you know, probably start reading. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading Stairway to Heaven. Come on. Um, so I was always serious about it, but it never felt like, it never felt like a choice. Oh, that's you cool. know, that's... It, it's just this is what I'm doing, and uh, so I, I can't distinguish that for you. That's an interesting way to look at it. It was never really a choice. You know, you hear that occasionally. It's like I never, yeah. I never decided to do this. It's just what I did. Um, mm-hmm. And it should be noted before I get too far off of this. You know, you're talking about reading Stairway to Heaven. You know, everybody likes to talk about um, oh tabs or. Uh, they're notoriously wrong or they're bad on the internet and blah, blah, blah. And, and yes, they, they are because it's one person's way they're thinking of playing sure. something. Um, guys, someone had to write that sheet music out too. And yeah. occasionally that's wrong too. And sometimes it can be oh, very yeah. wrong. Uh, cause you know, Jimmy Page, when he was writing those riffs, <laughs> wasn't writing them down. That's right. And so. you know what? It brings up a good point. You have to be your own best student. You're your best teacher, and you're your best student. And as your best student, you have to call your teacher to ask. So if it doesn't sound right, then figure it out. Sit there and, and figure out why. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're growing up. You're playing music. You have to yeah. forgive me. I, I, I failed this part of my research. Where did you grow up? Um, uh, I was born in Englewood, and most of my childhood was in Huntington Beach, California. Okay, so you, you've always been in that Southern California yeah. Yeah, in that scene. I'm, I'm cursed. Yeah, <laughs> y'all totes. <laughs> Toasted. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's interesting, though, because that play, it's, it's, you grew up in a hotbed of guitar music, though, you know. It, it didn't feel like it to me at the time, so you'll have to elaborate on that. But again, I didn't have any mentors, so for <laughs> all I know, it, it exactly was. For all I know, there was this jazz workshop every weekend, but nobody told me, you know? Sure. Well, I, you know, you think of Southern California, and I think of, you know, you, um, there, there's so many different facets of music in, in Southern California. You had, like... Um, you had the stuff going on in Bakersfield with like long, you know, mm. look, go back to the Buck Owen stuff that was coming out of there and some of the other guys coming mm-hmm. out of there in the country music scene. You get into the surf stuff that was coming out of Southern California, you know, mm-hmm. the Dick Dale stuff that came out of there. So there was a big guitar scene around that. And yep. then especially once you once you hit the 80s, there's a huge, massive guitar scene there in, oh, yeah. in some of the rock yeah. stuff that's coming out of there. And so and even add to that the 70s, the the. The Eagle stuff coming out of California, and oh the, yeah. So I always, I always think of Southern California as it's, it's funny. You, you kind of, as a musician, you peg certain parts of the country. I always right. peg like Southern oh, California yeah. and Middle Tennessee. Those are, those are guitar country to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's funny because I, I, I tend to think of those less geographically and more. Uh, timeline. I mean, when I think the '70s, that's Topanga Canyon, and that is absolutely the Eagles and Joni and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the '60s is absolutely the surf. You know, um, 
but yeah, you're right. California doesn't suck <laughs> in terms of, <laughs> I mean, the real estate prices do. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine. But yeah, I think the, the first time I became aware of the live scene was as I got into late high school. And uh, we had the Golden Bear down there, pretty famous club, and a lot of great acts came through. I mean, like one week it was BB King, and the next week it was the Yellow Jackets or Robin Four, that kind of thing. Oh, wow. So that was happening. Um, I, I think just with records, it's like it doesn't matter where it comes from, it doesn't matter who it's doing, just, you know, who's playing it, just find it, chase it down, you know? Yeah. And it's, see, because, you know, growing up in, this is this is going to be awful, but growing up in, I grew up in Clarksdale, Mississippi, which mm-hmm. to some people, they hear Clarksdale and they're like, oh, the blues, you had to, you know, all that music and all that. Well, when I grew up, Clarksdale wasn't even really acknowledging their blues history at the time. Oh, wow. It was, okay. it was, it was a bad time. It was, it was a, yeah. there, was a, there was a lot of hate on the blues and there was a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of it came from racial divide and a lot of it came from, you know, yeah. just uh, economics. Um, but now it's, it's funny. I moved to Nashville and I went to school. Well, I moved to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, and I went to school there and I would tell people I'm from Clarksdale and they're like, Oh, blues. And I'm like, you know, growing up, I never heard the blues. Like there wasn't live wow. music yeah. in my hometown. Like, yeah. um, and then when I moved home, things had started to shift and people had started to pay attention to that heritage and that history. And, you know, the music wasn't just in, you know, someone's living room that you never heard about. And, you know, the only audience is like the 10 family members who happened to be there that knew about it. Now there were starting to be some clubs that were opening up and some bars that were having live blues music. And, and now you go to Clarksdale, there's live blues music or blues tangent music seven nights a week in tiny Clarksdale, Mississippi. But when I grew up, that didn't exist. Yeah. So I learned to play guitar, you know, strum an acoustic guitar in in Baptist churches where, you know, if we slapped our knee, they got mad at us and called it a drum, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, it, the, the church music scene, that's a whole other ball game to go down that, like, is an infuriating rabbit hole sometimes, but... Well, those musicians are hardcore, and they take the gig very seriously. They take getting up at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning very seriously. Absolutely do. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny, it's, uh, and now here in Mississippi, the, the church scene is like, there's everything from those churches that still think anything more than a piano is, is right. the devil's music. Uh, and then right. there are those churches that have like, you know, four keyboard players, three yeah. guitar players, a bassist, and seven singers, and and a drummer. Yeah, it looks like a Nam show. Yeah. Oh god, it looks yeah. ridiculous. It's it's it <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars of gear on stage to, to play this oh, yeah. music, and I'm like it's hardcore. Oh, musicians are paid Pedal, to be there. Pedalboards the size of coffins. <laughs> um, I've I've been down that route. That's a bad route. That's that's a that's a route to a hernia, is what that is. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> there's no roadies in that gig. <laughs> No. no, there's there's no union crew. There's there's you put it, dragging your stuff. Um, so yeah, so you grew up in the scene. Um, did you go to college for music? Is it? Or did you go to college? I, I tried to. 
Okay. Yeah, I did. I got thrown out very quickly. Um, <laughs> I wanted to. I, again, you know, it really has so much to do with with your upbringing. If you've got somebody sort of guiding you, and I felt like I was just floundering. I knew I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't even really think about, well, I'm going to do this for a living. It's just, this is what I do, you know. I come home from working in the record store, and I go, and I practice for another eight hours, that kind of thing. So I just felt like I needed to go to school, you know, and you go to a music school. So then I read about uh, Juilliard and, um, uh, let's see, GIT which were the, the couple choices. I did a couple of years kicking around uh, a junior college prior to wanting to go to college for music. Sure. The parents regarding like Juilliard and Berkeley, they were, hell no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no. You can go East Coast? Pancakes. <laughs> not that they weren't supportive. It's like, that's not going to happen. Right. So um, I had, GIT was just sort of starting off around this time. Maybe a few years into their, you know, their whole exist, you know, existence. Um, I was at a junior college, Golden West, or as we called it, Golden Waste. And Tom <laughs> Kubis was the um, one of the teachers there. And um, after sleeping through yet another class on, you know, negotiating the two five one, I was like, dude, what do I do? Where do I go? And again, it was just the lack because. Could I go back and do it differently? I would have gotten my ass on a tour bus somewhere and just figured it out. You know, just spent my time on the road and learned it. And it just didn't occur to me to do it that way. It was always take the education route. Um, so GIT wasn't going to happen because that's not a real school at that time. You know, you're just, your parents are throwing their money away on your stupid guitar. So that's not going to happen. And he suggested Cal State Northridge. And... Um, Okay, state school, it's doable. The parents aren't going to, you know, flip out too much, right? right. It teaches other things. Well, I never got, why am I in a biology class if I want to learn to play guitar? What? <laughs> okay, maybe <laughs> if I want to, like, do surgery on my own hand, that's going to come in hand. What am I doing? And, you know, with a state school, you can't just go in and take, you can't just cherry pick your courses. You're going to be that, so I get there and I'm trying to cherry pick, but they caught me. And um, let's see. <laughs> here's, here's where me and education just sort of got uh, permanently divorced. Um, I wanted to take a guitar harmony class. It's, that was what it was called, you know, harmony for guitar. I thought this is perfect because they're always doing things in schools where they're trying to translate, you know, piano voicings to guitar. Right. It's like, let's study voice leading on guitar. Let's study motion on guitar. Let's not translate it. Let's not have it third hand. So I want to take this class, and they're like, you can't take this class. Why? Because it's for classical guitar. What the oh. hell's the difference between class? One's louder than the other. It's not, like, <laughs> it's not like a different tuning. What difference does it make? Mine's heavier. Okay? Yeah, exactly. And, and they wouldn't let me in the class, and so it was like, okay, you know, school is, is for some people, but it's not for me. So I formed a nine-piece R&B band, um, and... Learned to book gigs, write for horns, and we played every cool club in Los Angeles that is now a parking lot. Oh. But my goodness, that was a college education right there. Yeah. Because all of a sudden now I'm in the band and I'm the boss of the band. I'm the one hiring. I'm the one firing. I'm the one booking gigs and explaining to people why, you know, it's not as much as they were promised they were going to make. 
nobody promised you you're going to make any money. So what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> That's true. Where did that come from? That's very true. <laughs> you're doing this for the exposure. <laughs> oh. I, I love those exposure so, bucks. I <laughs> <laughs> love those exposure guys. Great exposure. <laughs> Only if I'm on stage naked, honey. <laughs> So, yeah, but that was probably a great uh, turning point for me in terms of how to teach myself and learning what to study and when I need to study it and really examine, you know, where are you strong, where are you weak? So I think just that break, get away from the formal education model. And this is not me dogging it. Sure. With proper mentorship, I'm sure it would have been absolutely stellar and perfect, and I'd be further along in my musicianship. But without that, it was a lot of just sort of me, you know, trying things. That was, you know... What's your degree in? You said you had a degree. I do. I, mine is... Uh, I have a an interdisciplinary degree, which is a fancy term for... Um, I combined two things that weren't technically a degree path. It's, it's okay. basically a way for you to almost cherry pick your degree a little bit. Um, so my Damn, degree, I should have known that. <laughs> I don't think that existed. Like I think it was like brand new when I was there and like it, schools were just starting to do this. At least my tiny little school. I went to a school yeah. called uh, Delta state university. So, you know, I went to MTSU for a little while, did recording industry management there, ended up moving back home to Mississippi, uh, help my mom out, do something, you know, yeah. take care of family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, worked for a little while. I was the um, I was the assistant manager of a bar, a blues bar called uh, Ground Zero Blues Club in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Very cool. It's 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 mostly famous uh, listeners. You're tired of hearing this, I know, uh, but it's <laughs> it's mostly famous because it's co-owned by Morgan Freeman. So oh, who's, wow. who's okay. from the area? Um, so I did that for a little while. I was the audio engineer there for a little bit, and I decided, you know what? I hate food service. I hate everything about working in food uh, service. So I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm going to go back to school because somehow I thought getting a degree in music would make me more money. It's definitely more fulfilling. It did not make me more money than managing a bar. But... So I went great back to school. Great exposure, though. Oh, great exposure. It's fantastic exposure. <laughs> so I went back to school, and I wanted to do music. I really, really wanted to just yeah. do a music degree, uh, just a Bachelor of Arts in music, just plain Jane. I knew I didn't want to be a music educator, like not in that formal yeah. sense, right? Uh, and they, the school I went to has a very good music education program. Well, the problem was I was a guitarist, and while they had an instructor for guitar, he was just an instructor, and he eventually shifted over to the recording program more, the audio engineering program, than he was in the music department. And so he wasn't really, because the, they didn't have a path for guitarists. It wasn't a common thing for them. It was all horn players and percussionists and singers right. and pianists. Real musicians. Real musicians, exactly. Playing real instruments. Yeah. So I couldn't do guitar, and I wasn't going to be a vocal major because I liked myself way too much to do that. Um, <laughs> and uh, percussion, I wasn't going to learn percussion and start all over. Then I discovered this interdisciplinary degree. They're like, well, what you got to do, you got to take X number of hours in these two fields. Um, and it was 27 hours, so nine classes per field. You take these 12 hours of classes 
uh, that are all about interdisciplinary studies and how you just, you know, you think outside your field. It's, it's honestly, I think it's probably the most well-rounded education you can do because uh, nice. if, if you're not going to be a specialist, you know, like if you're not going to be a doctor or you're not going to be an engineer or you're not going to be, yeah. you know, get as well-rounded as you can. So I did, I did audio engineering and I did music. Uh, I needed 27 hours of, of audio engineering. I got exactly 27 hours. I needed 27 hours of music. I got something like 63, <laughs> you know, because I took all the music oh. classes they'd let me take. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the first, I, you know, I'd gone to college straight out of high school. You know, you're supposed to, right? You're supposed to. Exactly. That's what they say. Yeah. And I flunked out because they wanted me to actually go to class. It's garbage. Um, especially in those intro classes, I was like, I can write this paper. I don't need to come to the next five classes where you tell us how to write this paper. I yeah. graduated high school and can write. So I got really frustrated at that. But so I took music theory my first year. Now, remember, I'd only been playing guitar since I was 18. So I'd been playing guitar maybe six months and I decided to take a nice. college level music theory course. <laughs> I made a C in that class and could not read music. I was really proud that's of myself. Awesome. <laughs> but so, yeah, I, that's what I did. I went that route. It's a very different route. Uh, I did end up yeah. teaching uh, elementary school choir for one year. Um, and that was enough for me to know I never want to do this again. Ever, 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 ever. I had third through sixth graders uh, for 45 minutes once a week. That was literally, that was it. I was hired to come in once a week. They paid me very well to come in once a week and teach this choir. And that was all I needed to know. I was like, nope, no more. Never again. Um, And so, yeah, after that, I, you know, played guitar. That's that's what I did. Just played a lot of guitar. Didn't make a great living because there's not the scene around Mississippi. Like maybe there isn't some yeah. bigger areas, uh, but enough to 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 pay some bills and to to not starve to death. Um, and eventually, long story short, I got a part time job in a library. And ever since then, I've started working in libraries. I got a master's degree in library science, and I I'm a public library director uh-huh. now. Who this podcast is how I stay plugged into music. So. There you go. Uh, and I, I still gig. I still, you know, people still call me to fill in and the occasional whatever gig that's going on when they need a guitar player or a bassist. Or I've actually played, started playing keys for a band now. And yeah, bless them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's what I do. And that's how I got into it. Um, but that's the thing is you learned it by doing it. You put together a band. You yeah. When I when I didn't really learn to play guitar. Until I'd, I'd played in some bands and played second second guitar for some folks. And, you know, when I finally decided to do it, I put together a trio with the two, with the best rhythm section I knew. And they were yep. incredible. Uh, like, the drummer's been playing since he was five. He's on stage since he was five. Like, yeah. um, and the bassist, I mean, both of them grew up in... Uh, you know, Church of God in Christ, and if you're not familiar, Kojic mm-hmm. churches, they're really known yep. for their music. The entire service is oh, music. Yeah. It's all improv. And oh, yeah. So they're, they were incredible. So I was a trio. I was the only, you know, only harmony instrument. And so I, I had to be everything. I learned showmanship. I learned how to fill Absolutely. space. I knew when you didn't need to fill space. I learned yep. all those things. It's a big one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Learned all those things in a trio. Um, 
I even had a professor in college. He was my uh, first jazz instructor in, in the jazz band at Delta State. He would teach us, and he was he was a big band guy. He was, you know, you, you get different mm-hmm. jazz instructors. Some guys are small combo guys. Some guys are big band guys. And yeah. So yeah. you never know. He was a big band guy, and he went to North Texas, which has a renowned a huge, jazz program. Yes, yes. And he was he was principal trumpet in the one o'clock jazz lab at oh. North Texas. He's that's real. he's a badass. Yeah. Um, and he told me, he said, I went to college there, but I didn't learn to play until he joined a big band with a bunch yeah. of sixty-year-old jazz musicians yeah. who had been doing it yeah. on the road for years. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's funny. We we talk about being broad-based, and, you know, growing up, I didn't care about anything but playing guitar, and I was singularly focused, and it, I was well into my 20s still playing the same Strat every night, no matter what the style, no matter, you know, it was like just micromanaging, which is the exact opposite of where I am now. Today's instrument was charango. I mean, I'm like downloading what chord, how do you make an E minor on Charango? It's like, you know, that's what the session is. So it's like, it's, it's wild. You've just got to be everything to every one. And I think the, the best thing that I've learned through all of this is don't be afraid to fail. Just jump in and you're going to fail, but it is the best way to learn. You know, when you get your calendar screwed up and the band doesn't show up and you get fired from the one gig, yeah, you'll never make that mistake again. Don't be afraid to fail. Just jump in like you did with the trio. Yeah. And that's another one. Never get into a situation where you're the best player on stage. Absolutely be the worst player on stage, I swear, because you may fall on your ass, but tomorrow you will wake up a better musician. That's it. You will be better tomorrow than you were today in fact for a while i was using i was using that hashtag incessantly better today i want to be better today than i was yesterday yeah that's it i've had so many of those experiences one um boy this was nerve-wracking i had been on the road um as part of a duo a singer-songwriter duo uh which means in terms of my guitar ability it had fallen way off because let's face it it ain't ingve you know (laughs) No. All right. So we're doing that for, um, oh God, a few years, not just out for a few years, but that's sort of robbing me of the ability to do anything else. I had played on Terry Lynn Carrington's um, uh, Grammy winning record, her soul to something. Sorry, all female band, like Patrice Russian, um, you know, uh, Gretchen Parlato, these kind of people. Yeah. And so she has a gig at the Hollywood Bowl, the jazz festival. It's exactly a day after I've been on the road for six weeks playing singer-songwriter. <laughs> Add to it. <laughs> no, can't laugh yet. We're not done. Oh. <laughs> They've been touring. So we did the record like, you know, a year before, year and a half. They've been touring. You know what happens to jazz musicians who have been touring together on that record? It doesn't sound like that record It doesn't sound anymore. like the record oh, anymore. It's- <laughs> It's it's five times faster. It makes giant steps look like a lullaby. They've reharmonized the whole, right? But at least I have my notes from the session. So I got that going for me. But how can I say no? How can I possibly say no? You it's can't. an experience. I am going to be on stage with these people 
It's the Hollywood Jazz Festival, Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival. It's iconic. And so I said yes and drove all night from Oregon, I think. It was like 14 hours and went straight to this show. And the entire time I'm just listening to it in the car, it's like, okay, I've really got this tempo down now. <laughs> you think? <laughs> but, you know, at some point, if you don't throw yourself out there and do that. And I didn't fall as far as I could have. And I just, I remember it because it made me stronger. And it's like, if you can stand up there and do that, what can't you do? You yep. know, so, so take that swing. You, there's no, you're not going to fail. What, you're not going to be able to play guitar anymore? Or maybe Patrice Russian won't call you. Exactly. But you'll be fine. That's exactly right. You're going to, you're going to be all right. You're going to be better for it. You're going to be a better musician. Yeah. Because you went out there and took that leap. I, I tell yep. players that all the time in their just in their own playing. Take not even in like the, the gigs they'll take or, or where they'll play or it's I I learned I became the player I am, which is uh the the loftiest the loftiest uh compliment. Actually I have two. Uh one I won't share. We'll we'll talk about on another because my listeners are tired of hearing it and I've told it two or three times. But I had a friend of mine <laughs> whose opinion I really, really respect. He's a great guitar player. He's a great engineer, uh, mix. He's got a. He's just got a good ear. And um, he walked up to me after a gig once, and he said, you know, sometimes you really, really remind me of Jeff Beck. And I was like, I'm going to take it. I, you're being too nice. <laughs> you're being way too nice. You're, you're stretching that like Jeff Beck way farther than you should. But the way he described it, he said, it's like this, like, chaos that's on the edge of like losing it and that's because i'm a sloppy hmm. player that's what it really is <laughs> and, and i'm aware but, of it but i became the player i am because i was always willing to go further than i was comfortable even in a live situation in front of a crowd yeah. at a paid gig didn't care I'm going to try this thing that just crossed my mind now. I've never attempted it before. We're going to see where it goes. And that came from Absolutely. that trio experience. It's so much easier to, to be adventurous in a trio <laughs> than it is in like oh, yeah. a big ensemble. Oh, yeah. And so uh, some guitar players never get to that point. They're never able to break away from, no, this is how the song goes. Or, oh, no, this solo has to go this way. Or... Oh, I only know these licks. I, I, you know, try something else. Uh, and you see them all Absolutely. the time. I used to host a blues jam. And you'll see those players that'll come up on stage and they're quiet. Their note choice is inside a tiny box. Um, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're scared to break away and they're scared to be wrong. Be wrong. Be wrong. It's because there is no wrong in music. <laughs> Right. You know, and I, I know it sounds philosophical and it sounds like it should be stitched on a pillow or something, but there <laughs> isn't because we're talking about 12 notes in Western music. How about the guys who are studying microtonality? What war is wrong? Yeah. Right? Um, no, I think that's um, also great advice for uh, any musician is stop being insecure. Somebody called you, okay? If Terry Lynn Carrington called me, there's something in my plane that she's responding to, just like your 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 uh, friend who complimented you as Jeff Beck. There is something you're providing 
that reminds them of that that puts them in, that's your strength yep lean on that know that why there's a reason they're calling me what is it i do different than any anyone else and that's your strength it doesn't mean you don't have any weaknesses it's just that's your strength now you know where you're working from and and how to work on your weaknesses by using your strength on your weaknesses it's it's really invaluable advice i it's absolutely fantastic advice no and that's just that self-awareness knowing what you're good at knowing what you're not good at yeah and being willing sometimes to do the thing you're not good at it's Absolutely. like, especially if someone, especially if someone's willing to hire you to do the thing you're not good at. I've, I played a couple yeah, of gigs on drums learn, before. Yeah. I've, I've played a couple of gigs on drums and I'm not a drummer. I'm not at all. But wow. you know what? If, if, if they needed me and they said, Hey, uh, we really, we can't cancel this gig, which I've been told both times. Um, it's, you know, can you come play this two, three hour gig? I'm like, you know what? If you're willing to give it a shot, I'll go. Let's go do it. Yeah. <laughs> so we Let's did it. it. Um, and we survived. I, I don't get a lot of drum calls, but, you know, we made it through. <laughs> we got paid at the end of the night. <laughs> and some people actually sounded yeah. like they had fun. So it, go do the thing. Don't don't be so Absolutely. timid about it. I, when, I was in, when I was in Murfreesboro, and one of the other reasons I moved back home, because hey, you're in Nashville, everyone is trying to make it. I'm going to air quote make Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to play guitar and like just learn songs and just be a musician and have fun doing it you know i didn't have any of these preconceived of ideas of making it i was there to be an engineer i wasn't even there to be a guitarist to be really honest you know Uh, that was back when i thought that's what i wanted to do turns out i don't deal very well with people for that long in that kind of environment um (laughs) <laughs> but having mixed a few of my friends' bands, and we're still friends, but there was a it was touch and go for a moment. Um, uh, you know, I I got to got to Murfreesboro, and everybody's a musician, but nobody wanted to just sit yeah. down and play songs and just have fun yeah. with music. Everybody was so preoccupied with image and sound and making it, and I was like, I don't care. When was the last time you just yeah. played guitar? And so I moved. Yeah. That's when I, when I moved back home. I played more music in Clarksdale, Mississippi, in the first six months of me moving home than I did in the two years yeah. I was in Nashville area. Wow! Because every yeah, it's funny. You know, Los Angeles. I mean, there's no shortage of amazing guitar players yeah. here, but there's room for everyone. You know, and you just have to. What is it you're trying to do? Are you trying to be a star? That's going to be a path. Are you trying to be a session musician? That's going to be a path. Parentheses, there are no such thing anymore. Yeah. In parentheses. Um, <laughs> you know, do, do you want to be a songwriter? That's a different path. Yeah, you, you have to, it's the self-awareness thing. You know, what is it I'm really doing here? Do I just want to jive it up at some blues jam and be the fastest gun in, in the West? You know, uh, is it really competitive? Is that what I'm here for? I'm, I'm just trying to be the best. How on earth, I, every time I see a guitar player, best 100 guitar players in the it. last 50 years, like, are you kidding me with this? Are you kidding me? Sorry, guitar player, are you kidding me with this? Based on what? I, needless to say, I wasn't one of them. Okay, so yeah. there's that. <laughs> is this record sales? Is this fastest player? <laughs> right. Is- Loudest yeah. player, 
it's it, it, social media. It makes it hard now. I, I I went to a NAM show and there was a young guy there who works for one of the manufacturers and and I'm talking to him and one by one we've all seen it, the guitar players there they sit there with their pick in their hand and they just can't wait to get up on that fully contaminated COVID ridden guitar and play through <laughs> the completely silent sounding like ass system so they can show off to their friends here's my badge I'm at NAM right. And this guy, he's just the nicest guy, and he's real soft-spoken. He just sits there, and he's shaking his head, and he goes, one Instagram guitarist after another. I call them Insta-guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, we tend to perform to the limit of our environment. So if you're an Instagram guitar player, if you're an Insta-guitarist, then I'll bet you're really good over the course of 30 seconds. But that's not going to teach you how to develop a solo. And we tend to just stay in the box that we allow for ourselves. If you only play rock music on weekends, then you'll not break out of that box. If you never listen to all kinds of music. So whatever the box is that you're allowing yourself to sit comfortably in. And um, every once in a while, though, I have to say, you know, we can bag social media all day long, which you probably shouldn't because we're going to put this up. I'm going to post this, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a screenshot. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have found some of the most monstrous, I don't even know, I won't live long enough to know how good these guys are. Yeah. I'll never be good enough to know how good they are. And I found it through social media. Yeah. And it, you know, it always breaks my heart, you know, because, you know, slamogram guy who can play 500 notes a, a, a second who has 500,000 followers, you know. And here's this guy who knows more about this instrument than I can even imagine knowing. And, you know, three likes, <laughs> two follows, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So just, re you know, just realize the box you're in. Enjoy it for that. Yeah. You know, if you're slamming at Nam, then go slam Nam, maybe. But that may or may not be quality music. You know, it's... Or maybe it, it is. Well, you know, it's, I, I, we sort of had this conversation with Dominique Ruiz in, in last... In, sorry, it'll be two weeks ago by the time this episode goes out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because she really took off on Instagram and YouTube. But mm -hmm. that's only because the band she's in didn't have anything else to do over over the covid lockdown and she over was like COVID, okay yeah, yeah. It, it, like she was like okay i guess i'll post these videos and keep playing and learning solos and it was all just her learning things and posting them up yeah and it's it's funny that whole like 30 seconds to a minute that you know and then you get like i see so much I don't, I don't know what to say because it gets me frustrated. And I talked to her just a little bit. We didn't go really deep into it because, you know, sometimes you just want to focus on the positive things. But you'll yeah. see the, the, the shredders doing whatever it is they do for 30, 50, uh, 60 seconds, which don't get me wrong. The, the technique is fabulous. If you can do it, do it. I'm not a shredder. That's not me. I'm never going to be that guy. Um, or your, you know, whatever the, what's the, the neo soul and tapping is the crazy thing now. Everybody's really into. Oh. I, I, is that the one with the really clean strat sound where yes. they slide all the. That's it. Okay. I, Hold I still. Yeah, I I'm can't do it. Some of it's, some of it's really cool and some of it's 
really drunk. But uh, it's 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 interesting. And I, for example, yeah. I sat for a couple of days watching Neo Soul videos on YouTube because what I wanted to take from it was I really like some of their chord voicings. I think they use absolutely. Some cool, I don't want to do all the the chord sliding that they do. I already do enough of it. Yeah. I'm a blues player. Trust me, I do plenty. Um, I don't want to yeah. do that much, but I think their chord voicings are great. Um, and so, but then like the hate that gets thrown at some of them really drives me crazy too you know it's like and it's and it's a one-sided hate it's um as a blues player i see a lot of hate thrown at blues players (laughs) so i i I see that a lot um i see a lot of hate and i'm sure you have thrown at female players um that's no really (laughs) it drives me insane and i try not to 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 yeah. If I get on my soapbox too high cuz I'm I'm going to get real loud about it. Um um yeah. but it's it's a it's a bunch of dude bros stuck in their basement who know a <laughs> one one box shape of the pentatonic scale. They don't even know yeah. all five shapes of it. They just got one. Yeah. Um who get mad when they see uh, a 22-year-old female guitarist on Instagram or TikTok that plays better than they do at 50 years old. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And mm-hmm. and they do. And then they're going to throw the hate at someone. Oh, you can play the solo, but can you play the whole song? Well, yeah, come hear the band. Like, <laughs> they're not just on Instagram. Right. You know, there are some that are just on Instagram, and that's great, too. It's actually, this is, this. I'm going to I'm gonna talk out of both sides of my mouth here, bad-mouthing Instagram. But at the same time, I'll talk about, I really like... TikTok, like I know I shouldn't, but I've really gotten into it, and it's not for the shredders mm-hmm. or those guys. I really like the voice it's given some songwriters. There are some people. Oh, I don't know it. I'm not on it. So okay, it's interesting. so <laughs> the the interesting thing about TikTok is you see a lot less of the the guitar player show off thing that you do on yeah, Instagram, yeah. and instead, yeah. what you see a lot of is songwriters writing these wonderful catchy uh really introspective meaningful songs and because it's well they've increased it to three minutes now but um you can do up to a three minute video you're so you're seeing some fleshed out songs before you know you get maybe a verse and a chorus kind of thing yeah and also seeing lots of musical collaboration because tiktok has a stitch feature where somebody can post something, say they post themselves playing a chord progression and maybe singing along to it, then somebody will stitch it and add a piano to it, and somebody will stitch it and add cello, more cello oh, okay. to it. And so you start okay. to see these uh, compositions evolve on TikTok. And it's sort of an online jam session. It is. It's very cool. Yeah. And I really think that that's like nice. the evolution of, okay, Instagram guitarist, do this. Like... Take all those skills that you you have, and I'm not going to take away from you because you absolutely have some skill. Mm-hmm. Let's try to apply it musically. Let's let's find yeah. some other people yeah. and apply that that thing that you're you're doing and make it sound musical, and and not just you know the musical equivalent of uh, I'm trying to think of something that I can say without having to hit the explicit tag. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's it. not that ridiculous show-off guy in the gym who's bench pressing all the weight and screaming the entire time. You know, <laughs> that's 
Well, I think it comes down to what we were saying. It's it's a matter of realizing this box mm-hmm. and what can I take from it, you know? Yeah. For me, Instagram and and most of the social media is well, it's it's twofold. Sometimes it's a discovery thing. I like I said, I have found learned of musicians on social media that I wouldn't have heard of otherwise that are oh my god, if I have 10 minutes today practice, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to take just sit there with them for 10 minutes. Um, it helps me. You said the Neo Soul thing. It's like, okay, well, without dating myself, we used to just call it R&B. Okay? Right. <laughs> it's the same. I don't know it's Neo, too. Not me. <laughs> I was yep. at a session the other day, and we were playing some just disco. Just disco. Not house. <laughs> disco, right? And everybody's, the artist is like, she's young. Oh my God, you guys, you sound so good. I'm looking at the band and we're all over. We're all over, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's because like, we play it the first time, honey. <laughs> but for me, like Instagram and the social media, I, I use it as almost like um, a ticker tick. Here's what people are digging, you know? Hey, I'm a professional musician. Most of my work right now is production. Uh, music for TV, that kind of thing. I'm in the studio all day long. So having my references up to date, that is critical to Absolutely. me. You know, and somebody says Neo Soul. Well, if I'm just in my little box here doing my own thing, I'm, I'm, what do you mean Neo Soul? Uh, so it's it's just sort of a, a day-to-day briefing for me. And that's one of the things that's very helpful about it. And I have to go on TikTok, thanks to you, yeah. so I can see the song running, because I've got that much time in my life to get on another <laughs> social media thing. <laughs> it's, it's, I avoided it for so long. I really, really did. I was like, ah, it's dumb. It's just, and then I got on there, and like, even then, I, I did it for a little while, and I was like, okay, this is still kind of dumb. Well, then I got back into it, because some no. folks started talking about it, and I was like, oh, crap. It's kind of grown. And like... It's yeah. it's just it's similar to Instagram in that you have to you have to find the people to follow that are going to build the algorithm that you want to see. You know what I mean? Oh, it, okay. And if all you're right. not careful, yes, you're going to get all the the dance videos. Or if you're not careful, like for a long time, all I got were stupid pet videos. Like I got nothing but <laughs> <laughs> you know cats trying to jump on cabinets and missing <laughs> that kind of thing. But. Um, or, or I got a ton of woodworking videos in the beginning, which don't get me wrong, I find fascinating, but I'm, that's not me. Now it's like all music, all songwriters, okay. and and a lot about comic book movies because I love all the Marvel stuff. But um, so yeah, that's what I get now. So it, it takes a little while. You start to find the ones yeah. you want to follow. Um, I think the algorithm's gotten better too. So it had to age a little bit. Had to get a little. I don't know. Just had to oh, get a, yeah. get its feet wet a little bit. But now. Yeah, that makes sense. There are some incredible songwriters popping up on there and some that are so getting cool. record deals that I really want to talk to them and say, you don't really need a record label anymore. Um, but that's mm-hmm. okay. They, you know, do their yeah. thing. Um, it, but yeah, you got to stay, you got to stay up to date. I'm not good at it. I'll be really honest. I'm getting better at it. Listening to like what everybody else is listening to. It's taken me a little while to figure out. And I, I don't do what you do. You know, I, I work in a library and uh, I I play music as I can. I record as I can, uh, but it's still I like we we had, had a rehearsal on Sunday, which was oh my gosh, that was already three days ago. Um, and 
we're at this rehearsal. It's a cover band, function band type thing. No big deal. Oh, you know, we're going to play some bars, play some weddings, make a little money. No big deal. But they start throwing out some songs, and I'm like, I don't, I've never even heard of that artist or that song. They're like, oh, it's super popular right now. Everybody's talking about it. I'm like, I, okay, give me a second. Cool. I'll let up on no. my phone. I'm going to have to learn it. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. I can't imagine staying fresh enough to have to play these styles when people call them out too. It's like I get to yeah. I get to stay in my my blues and jazz and roots box a little bit. But you know, we only grow as much as it's we're all iguanas. We we grow as big as the space that we put ourselves in will allow. That's a nice way of saying it, yeah. 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 And same thing same thing for you songwriters. This doesn't just apply to guitar players. Uh you songwriters, if you're not writing about things, writing about everything, you're writing about nothing. Because I was listening to a podcast. Yeah. What was I listening to? I wish I... Oh, I can't remember. But they were talking to a songwriter. I think it was Switched On Pop, which is an interesting podcast that just talks... Of, it's like the musicology of pop music. And it was this okay. pop songwriter. And she was talking about... Um, it's, it's someone I'm supposed to remember, and somebody's going to get mad at me that I don't remember who this was that said it. But... Um, She's such a big star, but um, she talked about the fact that, you know, so many great pop songs or just great songs in general have been written about nothing. Mm -hmm. And that if you're constantly just trying to find, you know, write about these deep and meaningful topics and that's all you write about and you never try to just write to write, you're you're not going to you're not going to find your voice. Yeah, you're not going to be doing it. it. Same thing with guitar players. You got to just. If you don't think you like polka, play polka. Robert Johnson played polka. It was good enough for him. It's good enough for me. Yeah. And also, what kind of guitar player do you want to be? Because if you're seriously wanting to be the session-styled guitar player, well, that's a little bit of everything. And you have to remember, it's a service industry. So if somebody says Neo Soul, you damn well better know what that means and what guitar to pick, reach for and what amp is going to make that sound and how do you have to hold your hands differently to do that. And it's just a, a product of what kind of guitar player you want to be. If, you, if you're in a band and that's your thing and you know, this is, you're focused on making that band successful or getting a, a deal or whatever, that's a different kind of guitar. But then again, still, a lot of those same rules apply. Make sure you're not the best person on stage. Surround yeah. yourself with the best. They'll always bring you up. I, it's funny. <laughs> I used to have this conversation. Remember, I went back to college. So I, I was I was older when I went back to college, right? I went back to college mm-hmm. at 26. I was almost 27. Um, and so I'm in classes I'm in ensembles. I'm talking to all these musicians who are 18 to 22, you know, a lot younger than me. They're a couple closer to my yeah. age, but um, they're, they're, they were so idealistic. And I see this at every age in guitar players, but they got to talking about, you know, their integrity in music as an artist. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, I don't I, know what that means. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what 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 is playing music to you like and so i asked him this was always my question so it's going to date the question a little bit but i my favorite thing to ask him was so let me ask you a question if tomorrow mr integrity in music um you got a call that nsync needed a guitarist and they offered they wanted you to go on the road to play guitar for nsync which that that's the dating to tell you when this question was but um would you take it 
He said, oh, no, I'd never play that pop crap. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an absolute idiot. Do you know how much you would learn from a show like that? Yes. You know? It's, it's uh, first of all, now we're getting into the real showbiz element of professional musician. And pop shows are just that they are a show. They have nothing to do with your guitar playing or the snare sound. Any pop tour of that style is all about the showmanship. You are going to learn more. You're going to learn. It's going to be basically a Broadway show. Yes, exactly and you're right. you're going to have marks to hit, and, and you're going to run around. Um, it, there, I have had so many different types of gigs, and so few of them felt like they fit. Like, oh, I could do this forever, you know? And every single one of them was just invaluable in terms of what I learned. I've done all kinds of touring. I've done the touring where you're treated like a pampered poodle, you know, suites, first class, the Concorde Jot. And then I've been the driver on the van, and I'm happy <laughs> to find the half-eaten sandwich underneath the seat that's been there for two weeks. You know, woo, scored. Yep. So... Every By the way, that's of all of my tour experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never made it to the Concord. <laughs> wow. Boxed wine. Yeah. Let's, let's not knock it. Let's not knock it. Some, it's, no, some. see, it's valuable, <laughs> especially if that's all you got. Exactly. <laughs> I just, I can't help but think that as many regrets as I have about how I was taught and tried to teach myself in terms of experiences, there isn't a single one. I regret they have just, I call on them daily, you know, and whose line is a very good example of that. And as a matter of fact, we got the call. We're going to start filming again next year. Oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so I will be, you know, Googling Neo soul or something. <laughs> I had, oh my God. <laughs> but, you know, and there's a perfect example of a gig that just feeds on everything else. First of all, it's just Laura and I, and right. we're playing everything. And it's it's drum machines, and I've got keyboards in front of me, and she's got guitars in front of her. And it, she always calls it reductive surgery. If someone says instinct to you, what is the one thing you can play right now that will make everybody think, oh, it's sync? She did it. She did the first season by herself. So we've done this. Oh, I know I started it like 25 years ago. Oh, wow. On the show, somewhere in there, yeah. So she did season one by herself, and I remember watching it at that time, and it would be just like her and Wayne on stage. Yeah. And the suggestion would be Prince, right? And I'm watching it thinking to myself, I'm a professional musician. How did she make that sound like Prince? First of all, there's no guitar. She's just on keyboards. She captured the essence of the song. So what's the essence of the song? What is the one thing you can do right now? And that... That has been pulled from every wild gig. You know, when you're out there and you've got to fake it, you've got to look up the song on your phone. Yep. Now, I'm old enough remembering when phones were hanging on a wall. So if I didn't know <laughs> the song, you better just hope your ears aren't hearing in force on that day. <laughs> oh. So, right? Oh, yeah. That's always fun. So I think. You know, maybe that's the the point of our conversation today is for musicians. It's just acknowledge the box you're in. Yeah. And it'll be okay. It's it's okay to be in your box because then you're fully aware of your strengths, but you must break free of it. You know, why are you there? What are the good things about it? Take that instant gig. 
Why the hell would you say no? Why would you You're say gonna no? You're going to make some that? money. All the little manufacturers are going to come out, play our guitars, mm-hmm. use our picks, you know? Have some fun, man. Exactly. Instagram your butt off. <laughs> And and the things you will learn doing that. Exactly. That, for example, when you're going to learn business yes. management, you're going to learn how a, a huge corporation of that style band works together, <coughs> how they audition people and who gets who gets fired and who stays hired. It's going to be college all over again. Yep. And a big one that you know I finally really got the education in when I started playing in musicals and show choirs. Um, yeah. getting those gigs, you start to understand stage management. Um, yep. Because, you know, you, you you don't get that in a trio. <laughs> There's We're going to get up on stage and we're going to play our songs and what happens, happens. Yeah. I'm going to really try not to be drunk by the fourth set. Um, there you go. You know, uh, which I got really good at not being drunk by the fourth set. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. uh, but, you know, you start playing in a musical where, okay, um, Hey, Mr. Guitar Player, the the only guy that's not synced to main stage. Um, right. You know, I played, we played um, Mamma Mia one year. And it's all those ABBA tunes. Oh, yeah. There's two guitar players. And we're the only instruments that aren't even having our, the. it's, I'm trying to remember, I think it was five keyboards, uh a drummer on an electric kit and an electric mm-hmm. mallets player and two guitarists mm. and a bassist, right? The bassist, mm-hmm. he was lucky. He didn't have to change his sound basically ever. But right. um, the keyboard players, they were all synced to main stage. They literally just read the music in front of them and main stage would change their mm-hmm. instrument at the right time oh, yeah. for them because yeah. we're all playing Here's our time. You know, we have to hit these time marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, guitar players are like, all right, hold on. Do do your best. You know, it's like uh, we're, yeah. we're, we're responsible for all our change. That was a whole new experience for me. Again, and it's something where you pull, you pull from, you know, all those experiences on stage. Okay, so I had the same thing. I was uh, uh, did Beautiful at the Pantages, right? The Carol King musical. Oh, yeah. And in those, those touring uh, musicals, um, you know, look, it can't be me bringing in gear for the Los Angeles performance of Beautiful, because if you saw it in New York three months ago, it's got to sound, even though it's different people, it's got to sound exactly like right what you saw in New York. So everybody's playing, like you said, the keyboard players are on main stage or whatever the software is that's changing their programs. And the chorus are always, what was I on? I think it was Fractal, that okay. one. Okay, yeah, so Axe it's going to be something... Axe effects or something. Yeah. Um, so it's just, and that is because it has to sound the same. No matter who's sitting there, I'm playing the same notes. It's got to sound like that. Well, you know, these things, it's like the first fractal audio. It's like the prototype. It's been tromped on by about 5,000 guitar players throughout the Northern <laughs> American region. Right. And sure enough, one night it blows up. I mean, it just goes, it found the Bjork patches. And all of a sudden I'm trying to do these little 50 style skank rhythms, you know, just the boom, and it's like, 
and it's Bjork <laughs> and it's Stevie Nicks and it's delays and it's like every reverb all on at the same time. And it's like, what do you do? Well, because of your crap blowing up at the bar gig, you know, you just reach down, unplug it, reset it and smile. That's it. <laughs> and you catch up. You get back when you can. And catch up. <laughs> So, yeah, every gig feeds another. And and the only reason, I used to teach this, there's a trifecta of gigs. There's money, there's uh, networking, that is exposure, but I mean networking, meeting other musicians, and then there is artistic satisfaction and education. Those are the three points of accepting a gig. And the gig has to have one of those. And now the triangle, it's equal sides. It's going to, you know, if you're starving to death and taking this $50 gig is between, you know, you sleeping on your parents' sofa tonight or, you know, paying the rent, then you're going to have to go do the bar mitzvah. And other times you're flush. So go do the artistic satisfaction gig, you know, but the gig has to have one of those things. And so long as you're always focused there, it will never be a waste of time. Every gig is equally valuable. It's just what you pull from it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I think that's a that's a pretty good point to wrap up the regular episode here then. And um, so listeners, we sure hope you have enjoyed hanging out with us. Um, There is going to be some extra content over on Patreon. Um, And for those of you that realize we didn't really talk about gear, we're going to talk about gear over on Patreon for a second. Uh, I'm also, I'm sure some of you uh, may have tuned into this episode because you wanted to hear uh, Linda talk more about her time with uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I'm going to ask those questions over on the Patreon episode. So if you want to catch that content, you can go over to patreon.com slash 40 watt podcast. And for, and for $5 a month, you can get all those extra episodes, including all the ones we've had in the past with many of my nice. guests ever since I've created that extra Patreon content, which I can't remember who the first one was at this point. So you'll just have to go find out. Um, in the meantime, for those of you, please make sure you rate, review the podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button, thumbs up, leave a comment for the algorithm, as they say. Um, and we'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, be uh, good to yourself, be kind to each other and try to make some noise. This episode is brought to you by the supporters of 40 Watt Podcast over on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash 40 Watt Podcast, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help support the podcast and get every episode ad-free. For $5 a month, you'll get every episode ad-free as well as a bonus episode every week. I can't overstate how thankful I am for the support of my patrons and hope you'll consider joining the team and helping keep this show on the road.